0: If you know me at all, you know that death is my bread Uh and danger my butter. Oh, no, danger is my bread and death is my butter. No, no, wait. Danger is my bread. Death, no, death. No, I'm sorry. Death is my, death and danger are my various breads and and, uh, various butters.
1: Uh Um, Okay, so this is a question I have about garbage disposals. (laughs) Do you have a garbage disposal? I do have a garbage disposal. Renan, when you were growing up, uh-huh. Did, did were garbage disposals a normal thing in Turkey or no? Um no, but we got one um a couple of years ago. okay, a couple years ago, but when you were but we, when you were there living there, you didn't have a garbage disposal no. did, or did 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 most people have them or did most people not? No, okay, same same thing. I think in Canada. I don't think people had
0: the same with dryers. I've never seen a dryer in in Turkey. Well, that's just backwards because we had dryers in Canada. Oh, okay.
1: um but <laughs> the but we didn't have garbage disposals until I, a couple of years ago. Well, no, I, I actually I don't know if if nobody had garbage disposals, but no none of my friends had garbage disposals. So when I first moved Did down, Did you all
2: your friends have garbage I disposals?
1: I haven't actually done the science yeah, when, at this point.
3: How would you know
1: as a child? I don't
2: Did know. Did you flick every switch and just like see if things started no, worrying? I didn't
1: know to do that. I didn't I didn't have an idea to actually do that or to look at it, but it it didn't seem like a thing. So when I first moved down to the United States, I got a I got an apartment in Durham, North Carolina. And there was a garbage disposal, finally, like an insincorator, some kind of garbage disposal yeah. in my sink. Was it operated by a switch? It was, in
3: fact. And Was the switch beside another switch that operated a light? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it may have been. It wasn't a standalone.
1: No. Was no. it behind
3: the sink? But the, the switch? Yeah.
1: Yes. They were going to a lot of detail here. Well,
3: <laughs> were there any comical mishaps?
1: Well, no. I, there, there, were no there were no comical mishaps, but... I didn't understand the concept of a garbage disposal. I didn't know exactly what it did. The best no cons- metal. I no still hands, don't know. No metal. Well, the the best knowledge I had of a garbage disposal was watching cartoons when I was a kid and there was a cartoon, one of those Warner Brothers cartoons which showed the kitchen of the future and this was like the cartoon was from the 1960s. Did you just bring this up so
3: you could talk about cartoons? Well,
1: I I like cartoons. But the the, the kitchen of the future And they had a garbage disposal. And essentially all it did was you put trash down the garbage disposal and it would go into a little bucket and a pig was under the sink eating from that bucket. And that was their little, you know, joke that this was the future, that you'd have a bucket with a pig eating out of it. Now, I knew that there wasn't a pig underneath my (laughs) sink. Good for you. But I didn't realize that the garbage disposal, like that the food actually went down the drain. I thought that it would just, you know, sort of chop the food up and put in a little bucket under my <laughs> sink. And so I thought, I don't want to have a bucket of food under my sink. <laughs> so you never used it. So I never use it. In fact, I taped over the switch <laughs> to tell myself, don't use that because I'm not going to go out and I'm not going to get a small little this trash is can pre-gen. to put. Yeah, definitely pre-gen. I'm never, I'm not going to put a little trash can under my sink because I don't want food under my sink, just sitting in there <laughs> that I, that I could forget about. It didn't occur to me to maybe look. To see that there wasn't actually a hole.
3: Until when? I I, I don't know. Are you know. going to tell me like last year? Did this just no, come this up and not, that's why you're
1: asking? <laughs> no, no, this is not last year. I mean, once, I think Jen had one in her apartment. And so I, I realized then like, oh, okay, it actually goes down the drain. I did not realize <laughs> that. So I'm not confused now. I understand garbage disposal. I just understand how they work. But this was a, a long time that, again, based, this is this is what cartoons do. If you
3: think that cartoons are real, think again okay <laughs> i think that was um uh all right we're all right so we have our guest today is, is actually skyping in. this is our second of the new era mm-hmm. of, of the show he's a buddy of yours he's a buddy of mine he's john warner i i once helped him fix his tivo and i think loyal listeners will remember <laughs> well you're just gonna let that go yeah i don't care okay
1: <laughs> i fix it on over twitter so thank you i doubt it's true it's absolutely true i think check, what you mean to say logs. is that
3: you made a comment about tivo
1: No, no. On Twitter. He was having trouble with his his TiVo. I said, hey, try this. And it worked. And he thanked me. Biblioracle.
3: Biblioracle. Biblioracle. Yeah, he is. He is the Oracle. Do you know what the Oracle is? Uh, Something to do with a database? No. Something to do with a library database. He is a, he's a, a human book recommendation machine. So he's an algorithm on his own right live oh, yeah. on the spot you you give him the five most recent books you read yeah. and he'll tell you the next book to read. Man. And he does this on on uh, both at the morningnews.org where um he'll he'll be online and the people will be asking and he'll answer like in sequence to the comment thread. Is it But he also it, has a column in the in the Chicago Tribune. Is it like a trick where it's always the same book like the, the Yogi Berra story? <laughs> What if you've only ever read four books? Then you have to wait. That's not his thing. That's a different person. That's not the biblical oracle. If you've
1: ever only read four books.
3: Loyal listeners will remember. Yes. That uh, we co-wrote a, a guest column for a page that he has, a column he has. You and John. Me and you. At Inside higher ed. Oh, that's right. Oh my gosh. I am just not with it today. Do you want to come back later? No, I'm good. Have me have a good drink of water while you talk about it. Yeah. Um, he's the biblical Oracle. Hmm. This is where we list the bona how do you say bona fides his bona fides yeah i don't know which how you do that i don't know we, we do it every episode yeah so yeah biblical oracle he's got a, a very highly read and i think uh astonishingly well written column at inside higher ed just visiting and uh so he he's the author of a great book called the funny man mm-hmm. that can be the fifth book that you read oh I mean, you mean
1: hypothetically one who's only read four you, books I'm, whoever that person might I'm be i'm not
3: even the biblical oracle and i'm recommending that you read that next hmm I don't even care what the prior four comic books are. Does it involve superheroes? <laughs> it's not a graphic novel. Okay. Well. It's not Deadpool related. Not really in my wheelhouse, but I'll give it a shot. All right. The Funny Man came out in 2012. Okay. Uh, and also a book called Tough Day for the Army, which mm-hmm. is a collection of short stories. Mm-hmm. Came out in 2014. I do like short stories. These are good short stories. Yeah. The guy's a good writer. Okay. Oh, you know the thing, so that biblioracle, Oracle, I think it started at themorningnews.org. Another thing he does mm-hmm. is he runs color, color commentary with a friend of his and a and a co author of his on what's called the tournament of books that the, the morning news dot org runs every March. Yeah. It's like March Madness for book readers. He seems really into books. Yeah, there's something about literature that kind of <laughs> follows his thing. This is the thing, this is what I want to do. I I don't want to talk at all about <laughs> his books. I have a feeling <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what, that's just nothing about his books. All right, we'll but talk about
3: we'll talk about McSweeney's Yeah, we're gonna have him on. At some other point, so let's just. At some later date? Yeah, at some later date. I'm gonna to try to sneak in a reference to the Breakfast Club. Let's see if it works. I don't think you can do it. Let's just wait for it. Okay. I, will. See, I have insider knowledge. Good. Okay. Renan, is he coming in? I guess can we? You want to start? Absolutely. Sure. sure. Yeah, this Let's is do
1: it. Uh, this is episode sixty of Various Breads and Butters. I'm uh, Simon Tonev.
3: Simon says, Tonev? Nope.
1: With me as always, <laughs> Ben Brickhouse Cohen. And out in the studio, we've got Renan Sequitur Denser and Michelle Hyphen Polton Simon. With us, our very special guest from I'm going to say Virginia, South Carolina. What? South- John Warner is on the other end of the microphone line in South Carolina. Technology is amazing. This is episode sixty. Episode sixty, the big six oh.
3: Yeah, it's a that's a monumental episode. They
1: say episode sixty is the new episode forty.
3: They do. I don't nobody says it. No. Though. Nope. <laughs> John, so John Warner's here. John, you're uh, I've I've known you for what more than 11 years, 15, 15 years?
4: Yeah, something like that, like what, 2002 maybe? Was it after 9-11? It was. Yeah. That's because I came to Blacksburg 2002.
3: Yeah, that's your Virginia reference, Simon. That's we, right. Yeah. We, we met in Virginia. Okay. In Blacksburg, Virginia. Now I
1: know. Where in South Carolina are you? I live in Mount Pleasant, Oh, I, is I, I Charleston is suburb. Oh, that is actually Pleasant. It's Some, quite pleasant. That's good. Sometimes places that have names like that are complete opposite of what, of what the, the name is. But that, well, that it's not a like mount, that. that's for sure. Okay, uh, there you go.
4: We're only about eight feet above sea level, so mount is incorrect, but uh, it is quite pleasant.
3: No, that's but good. My, my usual reference, and I've probably asked you this 12 to 15 times, is um, do you, how close are you to Bill Murray's house?
4: Well, it depends which house. He's got several. In, uh,
3: in Charleston? He's done well. well. He,
4: he lives, he's got a house downtown, um, but he also has one on Sullivan's Island, which is one of the barrier islands, which is only about three miles from where I sit right now. So he's close. I see him, you know, occasionally out and about.
3: Do you have a go to comment that you, you want to make on him, but you haven't yet?
4: I, I have never spoken to him, although I have had uh, people I've been with have chased him down the street. I bet that's to- pleasant to take a selfie, which is, I'm sure, enjoyable for him, but he's used to it.
3: Oh, boy. So, John, what's up at College of, uh, College of Charleston, where you work? What do you teach there? Uh, this
4: semester, I'm teaching an exclusive diet of first-year writing, English 110, also known as freshman composition or any number of other things at different places. I thought-
1: we used to have English 110 here.
3: Thought, and it was freshman writing. I actually thought you were gonna, you were teaching a food class the way you introduced. it. Yeah, I thought
0: that too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my exclusive diet. Yeah.
3: So when do you do? not you? When do you teach human writing? You teach human writing?
4: I haven't gotten to do that here. I got to do that at Clemson, uh, my previous stop. Um, we had a little project where I taught some classes and even started our own uh, campus publication. But here, it's been composition, a little bit of fiction uh and the humor is on my own time
3: so that would be the classic example of an underused asset
4: well you can say that and i can say that well we'd have to ask with them if they see it that way they're Um, they're probably listening (laughs) it's something i mean i would love to do it here and i think there's probably a future in which i do get to do it but uh right now it's resources can be tough to come by and
3: everybody's got to take freshman writing so That's where, but we should pull the curtain back. The the connect all the dots here. I met you at Virginia Tech because you were there, and I think I had, or I was reading McSweeney's and contributing or trying to. I don't know if I had. (laughs) I don't know if you'd made
4: it over the over the transom yet.
3: I'm not sure, but I remember reading a column by someone with a Virginia Tech email address. And I was so excited that someone at Virginia Tech knew of the site and, and was published there. Did you stalk John at that point? I, I wrote him a note and said, hey, that's mm. awesome. I'm at Virginia Tech too. That's and, creepy. And he said, we should go to lunch. And then he was like all super sly. I think, uh, I don't remember the exact wording, but the my memory of it was um, like uh, something like, oh yeah, I've, I've I kind of been involved for a little bit, like very cool under the radar kind of mm-hmm. stuff like, uh, and then you gave me a copy of number four, the McSweeney's quarterly number four. That's right. Um, the box set. The box set, which I still have on my shelf. Yeah, and then it turns out that you know, um, you knew McSweeney's quite quite well. You were intimately involved, all, you know, from the beginning.
4: Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's the sort of thing where it's like Dave Eggers was a friend for a long time. Like you know, he's a big deal now, I guess. But uh, when you know these people before they were who they are, uh, it just doesn't seem as like as big a deal. And I think when we first met, I was not yet editing the website. No. Because that started, that started when I was a tech, but I think I'd been there at least a year, maybe a little longer. And then I put you to work, not that long after, I think. I know, right? that was,
1: a, was very memorable, yes. Now, was, it, was that when you were on the, the list editor, or was that, was that later? No, that's when he let me do the list. Yeah,
4: ben was, ben was the first, employee is the wrong word, because I don't think I paid you anything. No. Um, I said, I can't read 200 of these things a week anymore, so you read them for a while. I don't know if it was that many. How many, how many do you remember?
3: I've, it Three feels weeks. like it was maybe 100, 150 a week. Right. Man. They come
4: and it's more now. I mean, it really is like...
3: Yeah, I can't imagine now. Well, even when I was there, it's, just kind, of, it's kind of like this show where you, after maybe a year, you got me an intern. I had someone else <laughs> who also didn't get paid. Mm-hmm. I never met this person. Um, it, was, uh, it was a student at some other school and she would do the first cut of the filter and then send the, the best batches to me and then I would send the best ones to you.
4: But a lot of, you know, the the hard part is, is we were divorced sort of physically from the rest of the operation. So, like, Ben and I could talk and we could share insights and say, like, why do you think this is good or why is that not good? And for a long time, I sort of wanted to do it all myself just because I thought it worked better that way. But then I realized that was going to eventually kill me reading all of these things. So, I started to... You know, it was like in Tom Sawyer where he tricks the other kids into painting the fence.
3: Yeah, was that me? Uh,
1: yeah, you were the first. So, so John, when did you first become interested in like humor, right? Or when did you start doing it? Well, it was
4: it's sort of an accident. Like at the end of that was, a, that of was my, a
3: really good interviewee question, right? I've been <laughs> practicing.
4: So I'm, so I'm very good at this. Uh, at the end of my graduate school experience in an MFA program,
1: and where were you for that? Uh,
4: I went to McNeese State University in Lake Charles, Louisiana. I got very tired of kind of my own self-serious fiction in the uh, Raymond Carver mode, and I started writing just goofier things. I think the first odd thing I wrote was a monologue from a guy, an out-of-work economist who, in an effort to restart the Lake Charles economy, uh, decides to blow up one of the riverboat casinos. And so they can have a tourist attraction like the USS Arizona and Pearl Harbor. He's decided this is what they need. And it's just this sort of weird, funny monologue, and I enjoyed it. And then after I graduated, this was right when kind of the Internet, if you remember the start of all that stuff.
1: I do recall. Yeah, I was
4: was uh, Still coming around. to the fore. Dave started this McSweeney's website and said, Hey, you should send us stuff. And so I sent him some stuff, and... Both for the quarterly and the website, and not that long after that, a website called Modern Humorist popped up, and they wanted to be the national lampoon of the internet age. And uh, they sent out an email, I think, to just about everybody who'd published on McSweeney's, and said, "Hey, if you have any ideas." And I had a bunch of ideas, and they started publishing them.
3: and They were paying actual cash money. Hmm. The what was the the crayon book the. My First
4: Presidentiary, yeah. My first book with Kevin Guilfoyle. Yeah, we did stuff for them. I mean, they were paying like $400, $500 a
3: piece. What was uh, was that book? Per humor piece. My First
4: Presidentiary, a scrapbook of George W. Bush, which the conceit was, and I did it with my friend Kevin Guilfoyle, who was writing for McSweeney's and Modern Humorous, too. and We were sort of co-writing a lot of stuff. The conceit was, if you can remember back to the 2000 election, that George W. Bush was kind of uh, a neophyte who needed his guidance from the adults. So it was like a children's workbook for, only for a president. So it was done in colored pencil and had like a word search on national security. And he did a drawing <laughs> of his moon-based defense budget plan, uh, basically stuff kids do. And it was, you know, it was a pretty good time to pull it together. And modern humorists put it out under their... Their deal.
3: It was a runaway bestseller? Uh, it
4: was, actually. Um, I mean, it was sort of stunning that the election was decided. I guess, can't remember the date. Sometime in December, right? Does that sound right? When the Supreme Court finally... Yeah, I think so. ...finally decided it. And the deal had been in place that if Bush won, we were going to do this book. So Kevin and I delivered the manuscript, I think, on like January 6th or something like that. And We did it in 18 days. And was out in by the 1st of February. And
3: Did you have an Al Gore version in case?
4: No, we only had a deal if Bush won. Nobody was interested in an Al Gore book. Uh. So even though I had voted for Al Gore, I have to say, when, <laughs> when, the, when the decision was handed down, I was sort of like, well, at least I have a book deal. So it was there a nice you go. consolation prize. There you go. So we did the book, and it became a Washington Post bestseller. It was a national campus bestseller and was actually doing pretty well up until 911 after which every copy every existing copy was returned to the publisher i think we had like 60,000 copies were returned in the month of october oh wow <laughs> and it was remain it was remaindered in november and you can now buy it for like a penny on so was it like or like
1: or for political stuff. reasons it got it got pulled off of shelves yeah there
4: was there was just no appetite for anything that was i mean even sort of Humor, period. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the time, I remember there was an essay in Time Magazine about the end of irony.
1: Yeah. Like, iron,
4: irony was over. It's like, holy crap, irony's over. So a ironic, you know, lampooning of our president who was all supposed to get behind had no chance. So
1: Seven short years later, Robert Downey Jr. and Irony Man came out. In the theaters. <laughs> so what goes around comes around. Irony w- I- Have you destroyed to the land. Yep. Yep. Yeah, how long have you been waiting to say that? Oh, like five seconds. Now, John, you've you've seen a lot of stories come by your desk, I assume. Um on you know, being involved in McSweeneys. Do you have any ones that stand out in your mind, any favorites that you've I, I assume accepted and, and put on for publication? This is one of
3: those the, the the visual doesn't work because I'm blushing knowing which of mine is he gonna pick. <laughs> well, well, and I, this is like I mean, choosing your favorite of your children, but
4: of course, there's Ben Cohen. actually, Ben and I have co-written a couple of things. I was gonna—I
3: didn't know if you remember that because as I, well, yeah. Did we had uh, to use us? We had to use a we used our though.
4: pseudonyms because we were both working for the site at the time. Oh well, there you go. Uh, I was. what Wait, what is your what is your pseudonym? I
3: think mine was um, Max Luker. Mm. Right,
4: you're Max Luker and I'm Austin Sidley. Wow. That uh, sounds so like you, a detective show. <laughs> but a buddy cop Luke show. Luker and Sidley PIs. That was my
3: that was my vote of confidence like after I foisted myself on the help on the help side um, I think you had sent a batch of like David asked for a batch of stories just to get the the the, the new version of the site started up and um, he picked several of mine and then it was it was too many so we had to, I had to use a pseudonym so that, right. so that I didn't have too many of my own. So
4: it wasn't too many Ben Cohen. And wow. of course, we published your Annals of Science for, I don't know how many installments, quite a few. I think,
3: I think uh, 13.
4: I or 14. think, I still think that, that that should be a book.
3: Sounds good to me. So, uh, yes, I took us away from Simon's question. All uh, oh, right, so favorites. Yeah. Um, Besi- besides besides um, present. Of, of I sort
4: of know, f- it's more like favorite contributors. Mm-hmm. Like, I think my all-time favorite is probably Wendy Molyneux. Mm-hmm who uh, has just done dozens and dozens of things for the site and doesn't write for it much anymore because she is a writer for Bob's Burgers now. Like That's more important than writing for a website (laughs) that doesn't pay you. Uh, But I also did a book with her when I briefly had a a publishing imprint called Toe Books, and she was one of the people who did a book. Um, John Moe's Pop pop Song Correspondences have always been a favorite. Mm -hmm. One of my very favorite which, uh, Simon, you, Ben tells me you play, you're a, a recreational hockey league... Once in a while. ...player. I, who's I your, get on Who is your, Who's your team? Uh, who's your
1: pro team? The, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's well. good.
4: Dave Johnston Ooh. did a series called The Philadelphia Flyers Have a Time Machine, mm. <laughs> where the sort of late 90s, early 2000s Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> just... Go back in time, uh, like there's one with Joan of Arc. <laughs> uh, there's one uh, with uh, Mary Shelby and Frankenstein.
1: see, this sort of this uh, sort of reminds me of of a lot of my interaction with McSweeney's as just a fan and a reader is that it it will almost grab me. With just the concept alone, or just the title of the piece alone, and I'm not saying that it goes downhill from there but but it's almost like I can just skim over the titles of what's of what's there and am immediately just amused by by that kind of stuff and that that's that's something that I find interesting that i haven't I haven't found in other places
4: well I think so chris monks who's the uh, does most of the heavy lifting on the website now, and I talk about this a lot is. A lot of the the pieces were like clickbait before there was such a thing. Okay, that uh, the titles do try to contain the joke, and in fact, the the act of editing it and Ben can probably back this up from doing the oh, of course, the lists is that you can almost tell from the title whether or not the thing has a chance. You you, you can often reject off of the title and. The title does like seventy, eighty percent of the work. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, As I'm, soon as I read "Philadelphia Flyers have a time machine," there you I go. know, like, oh, well, nobody's done that before. But
3: yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm equally as, as smitten with the titles which don't, which seem too, which seem conventional. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I do recall, and I think, uh, John, you remember the guy's name, but one of my all-time favorites was the, the menu at the NRA, NRA Cafe. Right. You remember that one. <laughs> Uh, just it's just that. i love i love 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 the straightforward non-joke joke the menu at the nra cafe was just you know you're hooked because you know this is going to be hilarious and it just went through a, just a straight menu it was just a normal excel sandwich it had nothing it didn't deviate at all and you get to the end and you're waiting you're waiting nothing there it's just a menu there you go and all he did was put that title on and it and it worked perfectly i just grabbed it's the,
4: me it's the nra grill menu oh sorry uh, well, guess uh, like soup du jour, house salad, hearts of romaine, spinach salad. Well, that, uh, yeah, there's no there's no joke. Although you you sort of leaned, often leaned towards the conceptual.
3: Right. Well, it's like as the, opposed to the- As opposed to the LOL. That's true. Well, there was the like the gay agenda and uh, it was like eight o'clock, you know, wake up, hit snooze. And it just went through <laughs> right. like you know, 10, 10 o'clock meeting, 12 o'clock lunch. It was just, you know- what, what did you expect? It's just, it's just a day. That's right. That. It's,
4: it's exactly what anyone else would do. Right.
3: do you, so I was going to ask it's two statistical one. questions, I'm and here. I'll see if I can remember both of the questions. Mm-hmm. Usually when I have two things, I say the first, and then we forget that I had suit, too. Yep. And we have to add it, add it in later. <laughs> right. We have to add it in post.
1: That's what the editing is for, right?
3: Right. Yeah. So first is from the time when you started editing it till now, what's the, what's the change in site hits or, or readership? Like, how much was it in 2002 Compared to 2015 oh, or 16,
4: man, it's probably a hundred times. Wow. Yeah, probably. There's probably a hundred times more audience than there, there was in 2002. Some of that is a testament to really how small the audience was in 2002. <laughs> yeah, it could go either way. Right. Rather than how big our, uh, I mean, we have a we have a healthy audience, but we're not, um, we're not Huffington Post or something like that. But it's it's hard to remember how small the internet was. Uh, there just wasn't that much stuff out there. We were like the only thing, or there was. There was also, if you remember, Suck dot com.
3: Yeah, I do remember. They that.
4: were sort of our, to the extent we had a, com- a competitor, they were our competitor. You know, even going back to those days, in those days we were entering ourselves for the uh, nascent Webby Awards, mm. and if you, which are actually sort of a scam, and nobody should do it. Mm. Um, <laughs> you, know, you have to. You have to. I mean, it's a real thing, but you pay like $300 to enter yourself. Wow. And then if you win, uh, you, get a, you get like a Formica. Uh, it looks like a giant screw, like industrial screw or spring, not a screw, a spring mm-hmm. made out of Formica. And they want you to like buy a table at the, at the awards and everything like that. But a lot of the sites that we beat don't exist anymore. There was one year where we beat The New Yorker for best writing on the <laughs> website, and it was not an upset because the New Yorker website was so limited and terrible at the time. And you know now they figured it out.
1: There was a certain aesthetic about the McSweeney site that continues to this day of just this very like uncomplicated, very simplistic, very black on white as compared to at least at that time, a lot of like flashing websites and really, mm-hmm. really terrible. Before people really started thinking about, yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, we've
4: sort of come full circle on that. Like, uh, the minimalist aesthetic was just—I think it was what Dave could program mm. when he started. You know, because it was all like hand-programmed in HTML to start with, so it was just easier to do than anything else. And also, it looked good; it read well. It was—you know—the narrow column was easy to read. And then we had all these sort of like flashy websites, the GeoCities. Uh, and now it's sort of like back again. Like, have you tr- guys tried to read like Salon or Talking Points I Memo? I
1: can't. I, I have to, I can't get behind all the pop-ups. Like, I have to keep on pulling those back. And uh, what, the,
4: what do they call where like you're reading your like mid-column and the text splits open
1: mm-hmm.
4: and a video is revealed underneath? Yeah, that it just, just like like grows out. It's like playing. it
3: launches at you.
4: Like while you're going, like it's it's not like at the start. It's it's midway. I mean, it's just so so horrendous.
1: The web throwing up on you.
4: (laughs) Well, I think (laughs) plus, and (laughs) we we sort of decided like we actually now do have links in our pieces. But I mean, I I think it's probably been within the last four years that we had our first link within the body of of a piece on the site. And still, the vast majority of them run without any links. Just Mm. because it's like we it's text. Read it. You know it doesn't take long it's like 600
3: words yeah well so that's the that was that's my second question is because i remember this from the list that it wasn't really that hard of a job i can reveal because so many of them were so obviously not right or not that they were not in the spirit of what you would publish as a humor list at mcsweeney's and you could tell right off the bat so so the question was is do you think it's the same percentage breakdown of people who submit that don't just don't get it or have are tin-eared Versus those who have good pieces, they're just, but they're not quite solid enough?
4: I think we have a much higher rate of contending pieces than before. And a lot of it is, well, some of it is when we first started, You know, the site didn't have as strong an identity as it does now. It just sort of published stuff. And so people kept submitting stuff. And I would send back and say, well, we don't publish anymore, this anymore. And they would send me links back like, well, you used to. I'm like, I know we used to, but we're doing something else now. <laughs> A lot of it is the people who submit now. God, this makes me feel incredibly old. But they grew up reading the site. So, you know, they might have first hit on one of our pieces when they were 15. And now they're 25. And they've been reading McSweeney's and they kind of know what a McSweeney's thing is. And so I think it's when they think of an idea to write something and they were like, oh, this is something that's good for McSweeney's. So they write it and they send it to us. So I think the, the the possible pieces are just much, much more prevalent, which in a lot of ways I think makes Chris's job harder than it used to be. He used to be able to just sit on the couch, read the submissions inbox, and uh crush dreams, you know, mm-hmm. like three a second. <laughs> and huh. now, you know, most of them are, or at least a lot of them are are there. But there's always people, this is true of all all publishing enterprises, who just send stuff, who, who are, of the, if you throw enough stuff at the wall, eventually it'll stick. Um, except their stuff is entirely non-sticky. It's like the least sticky stuff ever. It's like the bottom of a no-stick pan coated in, in uh, oil, you know, with no, some sort going. of other yep. industrial <laughs> lack of stickiness stuff on there. And that they just keep throwing it at them.
3: Didn't you say your, was it your high school that was the Breakfast Club high school?
4: It was, yeah. We no were, way.
0: Like yes. the actual one?
4: Yes. Uh, John Hughes, the, the filmmaker and writer and director of all those movies, grew up in the same town I grew up in. Went to high school where I went to high school. Skokie, it was
3: Illinois.
4: Northwick, Illinois. Wabash. Uh, which he called Shermer. Um, our high school was on Shermer Road. Wow. And I think the original name of Northwick was Shermer.
1: Now, did you ever make um, a porcelain elephant lamp in shop class? <laughs> I did not. You didn't, but okay. I did.
4: Uh, I did see a number of those movies being filmed. Like Ferris Bueller's Day Off was filmed when I was in high school oh, at okay. my high school. Wow! Yeah. Rush with fame. How's wow. that? I there tell you- it to my students. Like if they if they want to know what my childhood was like, just watch Sixteen Candles. And they have no idea. The they have no club. idea what
3: you're talking about.
4: You know what? They watch those. Those movies are still seen. Are they? Those have, those have become. Renan,
3: Michelle,
0: help yeah. us out.
2: They are still seen.
0: I I don't know what Sixteen Candles. are, okay, but I well, watched uh, Ferris Bueller. Okay. Yeah. What about Breakfast Club? Um, like half of it. What? Which half? Where did you stop? <sighs> How do you? Where did you start? I think same. Like something came up. I feel. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And these are movie reviews with <laughs> non I
4: Stopped halfway because something came up.
1: Yeah, yeah they're just going to be in detention. It's going to be fine. <laughs> I'm sure it works out. They, they get breakfast. They go home. Yeah,
4: for uh, for Breakfast Club, I was still, I was in junior high, but my brother was in high school. Uh, all the actors went and uh, hung out in the high school, like following their types. Wow, to get into characters like yep. Jud Nelson. And was the so, library
1: where it was mostly filmed? Was that the library in your high school? That was actually no.
4: That was a different. That was a school that had been closed. I think that was like Niles West or something like that. That's so that a, was just that's a nice library school. Uh, that was not unlike our library. We had a very sort
3: of privileged. Good for dancing.
1: Yeah, and there was space. statues with lunch meat on them. I remember all the details. Should we just do the whole movie? No, why not? All right, let's start at the beginning. <laughs> okay. Open
3: <Yeah>. on, <laughs> on four youngsters marching into the
1: doors. I'm gonna walk out of the studio with one hand raised.
3: John, I had another question about your uh, hometown because didn't you say, isn't your mom a, a bookstore? Did she own or start or work in a bookstore? Didn't she, you grow up in a
4: bookstore? I grew up in a bookstore. She started an independent bookstore when I was a year old. So she would take me to work and I'd sit in the back in my, I don't know, what do babies fit in? Bassinet. And then uh, when I got a little older and would go to school, I would, I would just walk up there after school. It was a human display. Like I would, I would sit in the kids section, and just
3: <laughs> like just, reading. I would, I could books.
4: pull, I I could pull anything I want off the shelf and start reading it. I just had to, had to be a little careful because I couldn't ruin it so it could be resold, uh, which is a habit I have to this day. Like I still will not. I have to remind myself to crack a book all the way open because uh, that <laughs> noise it makes, the spine makes, if you begin to open it all the way, that was when I would knew know I had to stop.
1: I remember reading those those short little books, like they were like comics, almost versions of novels, like Time Machine and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and thinking I'd actually read that book.
4: <laughs> I've read Moby Dick and the <laughs> Time Machine, right, and Great Expectations and
1: yeah. all that stuff. Sure. And but the real ones or the or the comic versions of them? No, no, no the comic versions. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> okay. But but you got it's the about gist. A whale. You got the gist. It's something about a whale. Yeah, you don't need that nuance. Right. So,
3: John, you must have not had I. I'll ask this for everybody. At what age did you fully understand the difference between fiction and nonfiction? Because it was a long time for me to not get them backwards.
4: I, no, I, 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 I was I, I was young.
1: I have the mnemonic of fiction and false and not but I still have to do it. It's sort of like figuring out which is my left and right hand. But the whole non fiction, you
3: think it's like not true. Why would you say non not true?
2: Yeah, that did stump me for a little while.
3: <laughs> That's why I had
1: to
0: do false and non false stuff. <laughs> Mm, I don't know. You're still working on it? <laughs> like in my <laughs> high school, we had nonfiction and fiction in different rooms. Like literally there was a big hallway and then the right side was nonfiction and the left side was fiction. And, and never the twain shall meet. And they were, yeah, they were very um, distinct. Where was the school? Istanbul. Istanbul High. <laughs> so, <laughs> fighting Turks. <And laughs> And, um, I think, I think we're the tigers now. Like they adopted it like five years ago (laughs) because they were like, we need a mascot. Should we get a mascot? Yeah, we need a mascot. And the principal was like, we're tigers now. Okay. You have a quiz
1: for, for John.
3: I do have a quiz. John, you want to take a quiz?
4: Sure. I'll give my best shot.
1: All right.
3: We have a quiz. It's a real or not quiz. I'll I'll illustrate the quiz. This will be it's a it's a pretty easy one, but it's uh, satirical magazines. Are they real or are they not? Mm-hmm. As you will find out once my book ever comes out, I I actually draw from a lot of uh, historical satirical accounts of of food and food contamination in my own work. So I get excited when I read these like eighteen seventies and eighteen eighties uh, satires, which are almost I, I'm not sure they've ever been funny. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not
4: even at the time not so funny.
3: <laughs> right. I mean, I guess I have to. I have to assume and, and, you know, do the historian's role of, of of figuring that it must have been funny in, in context. But, eh. you know, to us, no, that's not. There's
1: a lot that's not funny today.
3: <laughs> that's true. All <laughs> right. So, so like, the, these aren't all historical, but some of them are. So, you know, the, the easy one. I'll ask everybody. The Onion.
2: Real.
4: Real. It's right. not
3: a magazine. Real. It used to be a paper. I mean, they would publish it.
2: Yeah, but even as a paper, it wasn't a magazine. It's
0: a newspaper. Look at that. It this. was a periodical. We a are
3: periodical. Waiting. I'm going to call these serials. Something published that's satirical.
2: Okay. All right. Then that, yes. Well, that or, was just supposed be. to be the
3: easy giveaway one. And we still had trouble with it. This is going to go <laughs> well. <laughs> All right. How about the potato?
2: No. Why
3: are you no. so confident?
2: I, because you normally do like one serious <laughs> one and then a play off of that.
0: I honestly. do. On Twitter recently, I saw a uh, picture of um, in the in the vegetable section in the supermarket. They put the Martian next to the potatoes.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> I think I saw that. Wait, did you see that on Reddit, Renan?
0: Oh uh, no, on Twitter. Okay, maybe I I should go on Reddit more. But don't um, don't promote other websites.
1: <laughs> <laughs> not, not not on not on our time. So what are we saying about the potato? I'm gonna say it's it's a Idahoan publication.
3: <laughs> mm. John, did you weigh in? I said no. Yes, it's it's not, but you're right. Like I was trying to do the first two as illustrating the point. The onion is an easy yes, the potato is an easy no. Mm. Um, all right, third one, puck. puck. That's real. Puck, like a hockey puck. I'm
2: going go to go
4: like yes. I've, I feel like I've heard of that.
0: Yeah, like, it l- sounds like, normal.
1: Midsummer Night's Dream based
3: humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to say yes, because John said yes.
0: You guys were supposed to
3: say no, because you thought I was saying it because it was like hockey, and I knew that you liked hockey, and that's how you would piece it together. Nope. But yes, it is one.
1: What is it, what is it about?
3: Uh it's so it, this is one that ran from the 1870s. It was originally a German language satire. German language and they published in two languages and then they quit the German. But uh, yes, Puck it was one of the premier,
0: probably the premier American one. What about Punch?
1: Oh, I think that's I think that's, that's I, I can really I can watch. imagine
0: right like back. a pop art co- a cover for it. Yeah. You know, like a punch, and then there's like this like whole thing. <laughs> Thanks for
1: the sound effects. Renan. Good sound effects. We'll add those later. You right?
3: drowned out John, though. John, did you say?
1: Yeah, that's definitely real. I've heard of Punch Magazine.
3: Yeah, Punch was probably the most famous, maybe historical one. And I think Puck was a derivative of Punch. Punch is English. Is it published in Hawaii?
4: <laughs> punch was around like for a long time.
3: Yeah, like, I think like the 1840s, 1850s.
4: Even, but even until relatively recently, I feel like.
3: Oh, yeah, I think that's well into the punch 20th century. Magazine. Next one, I'm gonna skip the next one. It was spy. Oh that's, well, that's everybody real. knows spy. Everybody knows spy. All right, how about uh life? <laughs>
1: yeah. Wait, it does it have to be satirical? Yeah, it has to be satirical. Oh well no. <laughs> Life's not satirical. Life's real. Wait, is it is life still
2: published?
3: I don't think it is. Okay.
4: I'll say yes just because I feel like you're trying to trick us.
3: Yeah, I feel like that too. You you're just going along.
2: I'm going to go no, but I do still feel like you're trying to trick us. <laughs> you're
3: right. The original Life was a satire. Was it? Before it it um it stopped publication, then when it was relaunched in the 30s, it was the Life magazine that we know. Wow. Whoa. So, man, so very I good. I'm learning stuff.
0: How about Judge? Judge I did, say yes. Did you know that Judge Judy was the most <laughs> earning TV personality in uh for like a lot of years? Wow. The, the, the specificity I, of that. Is that no, I say no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: what, what do you say, Michelle? No, it, she was not.
1: I'm yeah. gonna
2: go yes to Renan's and yes to yours. This
1: is a sub quiz. I'm gonna say no to yours. I don't think Judge was a
3: Judge is a yes.
1: Oh man, I'm off. I'm off on my 1800s. <laughs> now you can it's follow terrible magazines.
3: You can follow uh, Michelle's thinking. The next one is Glower. Glower? Yep.
1: Spell spell it please. G
3: L O W E R.
1: Use it in a sentence.
3: He, I glowered at you because you were being such an ass.
1: Uh, I'm gonna say no then. I agree. No, no,
3: no. Yes. Uh, how about Trump? Trump. <laughs> you don't know what to say now. I don't. There's. There's. You're there's, going back and forth. Actually, You're like no, it could be. It Could be. It couldn't be.
4: I just saw this. Yeah, there. There was a Trump magazine, and it was Hugh Hefner. That's right. And let <laughs> like say yes.
2: So, yeah. Yes. Follow-up follow
3: up up is how many issues did they publish? I'm going to say three.
2: I'm going to go yeah, five.
3: Not, not many.
4: Was five two. sounds right. Two. It was oh. two. <laughs>
1: it was over by 50.
3: 1957. <laughs> wow. This is pre-Playboy, I guess. Isn't that right?
1: I think Isn't it was it? concurrent with Playboy, actually. Oh, really?
3: Yeah. yeah. A competitor. Uh, how about the Bumblebee? I say yes. Is that like?
4: I'm going to say that's like some college... Uh, satirical magazine
1: like a lampoon you're, only thinking, a you're bumblebee.
3: thinking it through the bumblebee uh, I think I think
1: it's like a like a, an elementary school
0: publication.
2: <laughs> I'm gonna go yes
0: too much of a challenge It it's a jolly name I like <laughs> it It is jolly. There you go. yeah uh, it's
3: a no that's no oh. the answers always give themselves away the next one's called the wasp so that's a real one
1: yeah so yes. the bumblebee was not real wasp must be real
3: right that's why I did I did in reverse to really throw you. Where
1: where was the wasp?
3: Yeah, from? who the I have a follow up. Where was the wasp published?
4: <laughs> <laughs> why
1: would we know that?
3: Because you would think, oh, um, we mentioned Dave Eggers earlier today. San Francisco. Yeah, it's, it was a San Francisco satire.
1: Now I I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with um, my issue with Ben's quizzes is that <laughs> I don't think he's done all the research to show that the. The non in his mind, the non-real alternatives were actually not real. You think there's a bumblebee? I'm sure there's somewhere there's a bumblebee. Yeah, in but a, elementary it, school. Yeah, probably. But is probably. it satirical?
2: Yes, yeah, satirical is the key to this. I don't
3: know. Maybe that was. <laughs> All right, I got a few more. Uh, the Pennsylvania punch bowl.
1: The way you said it means it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I was too happy about yep, it. You <laughs> were too, you're,
0: you're you're like, you're too really pleased to with yourself.
2: <laughs> the
3: Pennsylvania punch bowl.
0: <laughs> nope.
2: I concur. That's no. Not-
0: I like the name. P-A-P-B? Come on, Renan. P-A-P-B. It could be Pennsylvania peanut butter, though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So therefore, definitely not.
2: (laughs) Would be questionable branding. The answer
3: is yes, it is. (gasps) Really? Renan, you were the only one. Is it based in Pennsylvania? It's at University of Pennsylvania. It's there like Harvard Lampoon. No. Gosh, that's, you
4: people. That's sort of a dumb name. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to get letters. Yeah,
3: take that pen. But maybe it came about in response to like Punch. Maybe it's that old. Like uh, it was a knockoff of...
4: Bowl. I mean, I guess they were like social clubs, right? I guess like they thought they were, they were clever. Their, Remember their my origins. earlier
3: comment that these things were not funny in their time. <laughs> so it could be a relic. Was uh, there a
4: period when like satirical magazines were a, th- a big money thing? Like was this a...
3: I don't know that they were big money was a, thing. They was were, this a
4: viable business? People got in. Well, how how would they? Survive?
3: They were really popular at the turn of the century because they were heavily uh, cartooned and with a high immigration population. Having pictures instead of words was a big was a big seller. Wow.
1: Yeah, and also with me because I don't like to read.
3: <laughs> right, Irony Man. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was all I had.
1: Well, that's that, that that's good. That was that was a real nice try. <laughs> nice work. Some of these are better than others. We'll see if it makes the cutting floor. <laughs> yeah,
3: we'll see if it gets in. <laughs> we'll see if it gets in. Uh can I ask a question while we're all here? Yes. I have a situation that I needed help resolving. Okay, go. Uh, I don't think it's I don't know that's necessarily relevant to point out that it was like seven degrees yesterday. Um not, probably not for you, John, but for not us.
1: Here. It was super cold here yesterday. Yeah, and, and that, today. And that's
3: Fahrenheit. Yeah, not so Celsius. We were uh Um, near a a really good ice cream shop, which is open all year long. It's called The Cup. It's in Bethlehem. And uh, we figured, well, it's probably, uh, it's open, and who cares how cold it is outside? They have really good ice cream, so we went and got some. Wow! And um, fortunately, you know, for the first time ever, we were the only ones there. But the thing is, we're sitting there commenting that, for some reason, they have, like, in the back corner... One of those things with the hot dogs that are spinning around, like you can get hot dogs there.
0: Is this a place that's like in a section of two roads and then there's like a little park next to it? That's exactly it. Oh, I've been there once. Did you get the hot dogs? No. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've been going there for a
3: while and it's just baffling. I've never once seen anybody order a hot dog, nor should I. There's no reason you would ever do that. And they also, you can get uh, pierogies and you can get French fries with it. and It it just seems like an awful idea if you're at an ice cream shop, famous for its ice cream. And as we're mulling this over, the only two in there, some guy walks in, like a 50-year-old, and he's looking all around, and the guy, and the guy behind the counter's like, can I help you? He's like, yeah, uh, got like a hot dog. No way. <laughs> yeah. He's like, and the dude's like, yeah, we got, we got hot dogs. He's like, "I uh, I get some, a dog and some fries? No one's ever asked that before. And, but why would they? The thing that needs to be explained is, in what universe would it be okay to go into an ice cream shop And just decide. I think I'm gonna go order a hot dog and French fries. And the guy had to get like the bag of frozen fries out from the freezer and put it in like the auto fryer, which he had to fire up just for that purpose.
4: (laughs) So they do have fries. It's not like it never happens.
3: Yeah, but but I don't know.
4: They're prepared to make.
3: Well, they have, but they have the dogs are there. They've been spinning around on that metal (laughs) spinner thing. But for how long? Are they the same ones? I, they must be the same ones because I've never seen somebody buy one. My thought process is, this is where I need you to work with me here, or help me. This, first of all, who, I'm assuming the guy has to be like a bachelor and he's thinking, obviously I'm not going to be making food, so I just go get all my food wherever. And I think I'm going to go to an ice cream shop and ask them if they have a hot dog. And then I'm going to be excited because yeah, oh sure, I'll have the hot dog and the fries. It seems like a pretty good argument for why you have McDonald's. Like just go to McDonald's if that's where you are in life. Then I think fine. That's the reason we have McDonald's. Why this is the one circumstance where McDonald's is a better option than 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 the other.
4: So you're baffled why somebody would walk into an ice cream shop and order a hot dog.
3: Yeah. And I'm baffled why the ice dog. cream shop I'm a, I'm baffled why they would have the ice cream the hot dogs on reserve, on standby, and why someone would come into this place and get the hot dog. I think you've just described supply and demand.
1: Well, if you are this guy, email us at variousbreadsandbutters at gmail.com or
3: tweet us at some later date and explain yourself. For all the mocking of Arby's, if you're going to go to an ice cream shop and get a hot dog that's been spinning on there for 7 to 12 years, you might <laughs> as well go to Arby's?
4: I actually have a deep Arby's connection. I was a marketing research consultant and Arby's was probably the client I did more work for than anybody else. Wow, Marketing research I was, consultant.
0: That sounds I like was a very good job. The,
4: I was, I was there at the birth of the Market Fresh Sandwich. That was like when they started serving turkey because uh, Arby's was stuck with how many customers they could get because how often are you going to eat roast beef? You, like once a month.
1: Did you get a lifetime supply of horsey sauce? For I ate a lot of Arby's because oh, I go. spent
4: days sitting in Arby's restaurants watching people order food. That's creepy. Watching interviewers, <laughs> mostly watching interviewers try to interview people who are, who are eating Arby's food. Oh, wow. And even when we were testing the Market Fresh sandwiches to see if people would like them, they were trying to give them away. Like, you can have a free meal as long as you eat a turkey sandwich, and people would turn it down. No
1: way. <laughs> they are yes. they are there for the roast beef and cheese. Because the, they, the yeah, they cheddar. came
4: for the beef and cheddar. And oh. uh, they're like, but we'll get this nice turkey sandwich. Like, no, 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 no.
1: Now, what days did you go? <laughs> what did you mean, did I go on? <laughs> John, let me ask you this question. <laughs> I try to ask this question of our guests: the Friday Sunday question. Right? Do you like Friday better, or do you like Sunday better? Which is which? Is, which day do you prefer? I prefer Friday. And 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 talk to me about that. What do you What do you prefer, Friday?
4: I prefer Friday because it's the end of the week. Because uh, the but weekend, you're working that day. I do. I am working that day. Although my schedule Friday, I'm at home. Okay. Uh, that's the day I do most of my McSweeney's editing or, uh, but Friday is like the one day of the week where I don't have a deadline the next day. Mm. Oh, that's so, a new answer. Uh, that's why I like Friday. It's the day I get the most work done. Interesting. Cause I, I teach Tuesday, Thursday, which means some prep Monday and Wednesday along with other stuff. And then Friday it's kind of like, Ooh. What have I put off because everything else was due, and then I get to do that? So Fridays, and then Sundays are are depressing because the work's <laughs> about to start. That I mean, right. I, uh, I can't believe anybody has ever answered that they like Sunday better.
1: It's on the record. One third, one third of the population. They call this the platinum rule. Yep. Well, they're just wrong. I mean, that's incorrect. Like it's, Friday is. This is science.
0: I think John gave science. the. I think John gave the uh, student answer of of deadlines.
1: Get everything done on Friday. That nothing is due the next day. Nothing is due the next day. Mm -hmm.
4: Now, but uh, students don't do any work on Friday either.
3: No, but they they go to class
4: and then it's and then it's all over. I actually, I did a, I I had my students when I was at uh, Tech. They volunteered. I volunteered them for a study where one of my sections uh, agreed to do homework either for two hours, either one Friday or one Saturday per month. And then they wanted to compare their overall grade point averages. And they were had a grade point average 0.25 higher than students who never did homework on Friday or Saturday. Oh. And do you know why that changed the grade point average so much? It wasn't the two hours they spent on Friday or Saturday. What was it? It was because they ended up starting their homework on Sunday earlier because they'd already done work
1: mm. Friday or Saturday. They yeah, had to just ease into it. So
4: they, it's like they were ready. They didn't like dread. They didn't have that all day. Like, oh man, I can't. I got all this work to do. Oh, let me watch football. Let me,
1: yeah, wow. let me
4: play video games or whatever. So, so they would actually start their homework on Sunday at like two in the afternoon, rather than you know eleven thirty at night.
3: Did, did that change? Has has the world changed? Did that change anything? Uh, it changed for the
4: students who did it, but like, will students work on Friday and Saturday? I mean, of did they?
3: Not. They didn't broadcast <laughs> these results, or it wasn't like a.
4: Oh, I think it was published somewhere. Yeah psychology or something was doing the research and i just said sure yeah you can have
3: but why like seems like that would go that'd be a good uh student newspaper story like hey this just in somebody should look that up
4: no i mean you know what it's like people human beings real people don't read academic research so it's Mm -hmm. out there we need a That's, that's true we need a malcolm gladwell uh we've hacked student achievement that's how we say it these days right it's all Mm.
3: about the hacks. it's all about hacking well yes if it's not disrupted
1: now let me ask the corollary (laughs) question
3: oh is this you're gonna go candy do yeah are you a black licorice fan?
4: oh disgusting there uh,
1: once again every time once again
3: did you uh, did you know
4: ahead of time black licorice no i haven't heard that one black licorice is not candy what did, Why would you call that candy?
3: It mm. fits, though. We we did survey work, and people who we publish science. Ben, we, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we publish science, and Sunday people prefer black licorice over Friday people. Yeah, so that's
4: just that's not possible. I don't know
1: anybody who likes black licorice.
3: There you go. <laughs> and on that note, um,
1: John, I uh, want to thank you for calling in.
4: Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to it for a long time.
3: All right. Well, thanks, everyone. D- um, people should do what they
1: should email us at various breads and butters at gmail.com and or follow us on twitter at some other day very good very good headphones off
3: headphones
2: off
4: Is there Anything that's not fixed in post, like no. does anything happen?
3: No, we don't. We, this whole thing is.
0: It's complete.
2: all done in post. We
3: like just you're make sure training
4: somebody to like do my voice to fix all that.
1: Yeah, we're to get. We're gonna put, bring Clooney in. Yeah, a voiceover. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, it's all professional actors.
0: Jones, right? Yeah. So X- this
4: is this is just like we're just doing material for the script you write later. That's right. And yeah. Put it, together. This post, is just a okay.
0: precursor to the TV show. Oh, it takes the pressure. The reality show
3: yeah if you reflect on the kinds of questions we're asking we're just trying to elicit different words so we make sure we get the highest <laughs> amount of different words in case we need to splice them all out and close them together
4: yep you have every sound in the english language
3: um ah, what <laughs> huh? oh really yeah no did we bank that is that you got that catalog oh
1: Is anyone listening to us? Why do we have to ask this every time? I don't know.